So Revelation 20, we're going to be reading from in just um, a moment. Let me just pray. So Father, we just, God, thank you for what we have heard already tonight in song. But Lord, how you love us, God. And Father, we just do pray that, Lord, you would come and God, you would meet with each one of us tonight. Lord, we can come here tonight well-dressed and a smile on our face. But, oh Lord, there's many of a longing soul that's in this meeting tonight. And Lord, I just do pray that, Lord, you would really get a hold of life tonight. There'd be no half confessions. There'd be no sitting on the fence. But, Lord, there'd be, Lord, men and women who would make a decision for themselves to believe and to trust Christ with their life. Lord, we thank you for the testimonies that's in this room of those who you have saved, those who you have kept so well, and those who you're still keeping. So, Lord, we do ask that you would, Lord, send the blessed power of Pentecost among us, that, Lord, we would see great and mighty things done here tonight for your glory. Father, I pray against the enemy because he's cunning and he's a distractor. And, Lord, I pray tonight in Jesus' name that the angels of glory would surround this tabernacle tonight, God, and that your word and your spirit would have free will tonight, I ask, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I trust you're warm enough. Isn't it wonderful, the heat that's flowing around this tent? If you're too warm, put your hand up and they'll turn it off. If you're too cold, put your hand up and they'll turn it on. You can work out how to work that out. They'll work it out as they go. Listen, before I start tonight, I just want to maybe remind some of you of a wee truth that you've maybe forgotten about in this world. And that truth is this, that there is a God. That there is a God. Some of you unknowingly uh, believed the lie, and somewhere in your mind you've forgotten that there is a God. And the scriptures teach us that he knows you and that he loves you. It tells us that we're not here by chance. It surely reassures us that we didn't come from no fish or a nape. How offensive, but yet that's what we've been told and our children often taught. The Bible tells me that you are known by God and you're valued by him. And some of you here tonight don't know how to value yourself. And this world doesn't do anything to help you value yourself. It always marshes you. It always leaves you feeling that you just don't measure up. But I want to tell you this gospel that I'm going to be sharing tonight, right at the outset, that the God that I'm speaking about values you. He loves you. He values you. You need to know that. I needed to know that at the age of 24 we hard not, thought I knew it all, until a wee woman told me, the Lord loves you. Started to break the hard heart. And you need to know this tonight, right at the outset. He values you. The Bible tells me that he formed you, that he knit you together in your mother's womb. It tells us that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You don't feel like that, though. Sure you don't. Because this old world doesn't allow you to. Take a look at yourself and try not to see the bad stuff. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. That's what the Bible tells me. And that's what I'm going to tell you tonight. And you need to know that before I go on. There's a familiar text that we're all, we all know too well. And it's John 3 and 16. It's known as the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, within this text, we see three things. If I was going to preach this, I would use these points. God's love. For God so loved you. God's salvation. 
that he sent his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for you. And God's plea. And you need to hear God's plea. Because God's love and value for you doesn't outweigh this plea. Do not perish. That's his plea. Do not perish. And tonight, God willing, on Friday night and Sunday night, I want to pull out what it means, according to the scriptures, to perish. Because we talk about it and we don't really understand what the Bible means by it. And I want to pull out of that. I'm going to do that tonight through our text and God willing the rest of the week in different areas of the scriptures. So let us read together Revelation 20. This is known as the final judgment and what happens when life's no more. When this world ceases to exist and when we all find ourselves standing before God at the end of age, this is what this speaks about. Let us read Revelation 20, verse 11 through to 15, just a few verses tonight. And John says, I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, and as recorded within the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I hope the Lord would bless the reading of his word. Now I want to highlight three simple truths for, to help you or to help me help you tonight as we work our way through this. The first truth is this, there's a great white throne. The second truth is books, heaven's books. The third truth is the second death, the second deaths. So the great white throne. So a question I ask myself and I want to present to you tonight is, who is it that's seated on this throne within this text? For here the apostle John, he receives a vision. And this vision is of the end of age, when all things cease. And on that day, John sees what he describes to us as a great white throne. A great white throne. And on that throne, we're told it's the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified upon that cross, is seated as king and as righteous judge. He's described elsewhere as the righteous supreme judge. He's seated, and we're told that he's ready to hold all men and women accountable for their deeds you see i want you to notice something about this throne the throne is white great and white that means there's no blemish on it this whiteness it speaks of god's holiness it speaks of god's purity something that we as men and women know little about why because we're born in sin and all we know is sin in fact we struggle to describe sin some of you even here tonight might think you don't even sin such is the cunningness of sin, but all who stand before this great white throne will see their sin very clearly. And within its confines, we know that it's holy ground. And one thing that is presented to us as truth is this, that no sin will pass by this place of judgment, none. And it's why men need to be saved. It's why we need to get right with God this side of eternity because it's too late when we get to the other side. And God is willing to forgive you tonight if you would just ask him. So I asked the question, who is seated on this great white throne? The Lord Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it, that's who it is. Then comes the question, 
If Christ be seated on the throne, who is seated before the throne? Who's this side of the throne? Look at verse 12, what John tells us. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before the throne of God. This speaks of a mass resurrection of all who ever lived and died from time began on earth. All men from the beginning who rejected God and the prophets and the salvation, rejected Christ, will all be stood before this throne. And here's something that I need to say. If you reject God's salvation in your lifetime, you too will be stood before this throne. Don't take that as a threat, but take it as a warning. Haven't I told you what the Bible says, that God loves you, that he values you, that he, that he knit you together. So the God that I'm speaking about is the God that I've told you about at the start, but all sin will be and must be judged. Ask yourself this. If somebody wronged you, if somebody killed somebody of your family, would you not demand justice? Where does that come from? We're created in the image of God, and God is a just God. And all sin must be and will be punished, you see. And God has made a way that you do not have to die to perish. But we have to understand, if we reject God's salvation, that you too will be stood before this throne. Here's the thing. We either deal with our sin this side of eternity and live, or we let God deal with it when we get into eternity. That's the choice that we have. Or we perish, as the Bible puts it. I want you to notice something about this day. John says this. He says, I saw the dead, both great and small, stood before the throne. I used to think that meant thinner people and me, you know, big and small, standing before the throne. The great and the small. But what we see here is that this means there's no special treatment for the rich and the famous of this world. It means that before this throne of God, there's no VIP treatment at the great white throne judgment. Here's a greater truth for you. Kings will be stood with the lowly. Once wealthy men will be stood with poor men. Famous people will be stood with everyone else. Both the great of this world and the small will be stood together. And here's what I see. God's not interested in our achievements the way we are. He's interested in you because he values you. He sees what's coming and he, he's interested in you. Not your achievements, not how smart you are, not how big you are, not how, who's got the most money in their bank. He's interested in you and the eternal state of your soul because that's the true love is. And can I ask you one wee question tonight? Are you tonight personally concerned about your soul? Because it's all you have, my friends. I don't know if you have made your will yet. Uh, I have. I was recommended that Julianne and I were getting to that stage where we need to start looking about it. And one thing that I didn't leave to anybody was my soul. Everything else is gone. But there's one thing that I, you need to understand. It's all we really have to give to anybody and we can't be given to anybody is our soul. Because everything we have in this world has been given to us the Bible says, by God for a season. Some of you would argue with that. It'll soon belong to another. That's the most sobering thing when I come out of that solicitor's office that I got into my mind was everything that I have, which is nipple, but all the hard work that I'm putting into my life and all the, the things that I try to accumulate, they're going to somebody else. 
That's the reality of life. But your soul is all that we really possess. The human soul is that part of a person that is eternal, the Bible tells us. It's the part that lives on after the body dies and decays. Your soul is you, and it can be lost. Meaning that you tonight can be lost. That's what the Bible tells us. You can perish. So I want to ask you again as I move on, are you concerned about your state, about your soul? If you are, you can get help tonight. You can find salvation and peace for your soul tonight in Christ. But you need to be concerned about it and taking it serious. As I say, if you are, you can find salvation in this house tonight. Now, the scripture tells us something that puts us all on a level playing field. It tells that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we don't need to look around us and say, the one by over there is a a rascal and your woman. It means we all have sinned and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We're all level. We all need saved because we all sinned. And the Bible says in Ezekiel that the soul that sins will surely die. And that's something that we need to know. And if you ask yourself deep down, you know it. Yes, we can argue with our intellect, but within us we know if we're right with God or not, don't we? We know. And to put that simply tonight, it means that all who die without Christ and in their sin will perish. And you can deal with your sin tonight and be saved and be blessed in life and in death. Don't think coming to faith makes you sad. Friends, There's a joy that can only be experienced in the Lord. I promise you. There's a peace that can only be received from the Lord. Isn't that right, Tom? There's a peace that only comes from the Lord. So we've looked at who will be seated on this great white throne, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've looked at who will be stood before it, all who die in their sin and without Christ. Now, lastly, I want us to learn What the Bible says will happen to those who are stood before this throne. And I've entitled this for myself, myself, Heaven's Books. Heaven's Books. Look at verse 12. Again, if you've got the, the scripture there. The great and the small stood before the throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Verse 13. And all were judged according to their deeds. Now what we see is all who rejected God's salvation, Christ on the cross, will be stood before this throne. Now listen, if you're stood there, we're told that books are going to be opened. The people who are going to then be judged by what's written within the pages of these books. Now here's the thing, because this is what men do, they argue. And believe it or not, in the academic world, Many argue over what is in the contents of these books. Now, let us not argue tonight, but let me simply read Scripture to you. And there'll be enough here tonight to let you see what is going to happen and what is written in the pages of these books. It says, And all were judged according to their deeds. For me, that's pretty self-explanatory. Every deed, every idle word, every action, every thought. And what I see within this text that all who are stood before this throne are those who have rejected God. The Christian will never see it. And in each turn, those who have rejected Christ will stand and take their place before this great white throne. And as he stands there, the books are opened. Their name is found. Then their life's deeds is read. What a thought. It's said by scholars that these books of records are read to decide the degree of punishment that a person will receive 
in eternity. We haven't the time tonight to go into that in any level, but the Bible does teach that there will be different levels of judgment. But the important thing for now is this, that these books are not to decide if a man shall be saved. It's too late for that. These books are to decide the level of judgment that that person will receive in eternity. Now, we're nearly finished, so please stay with me. In life, many try to live well and be good. And thank God for people who try to live well and be good. Because there's many people today who don't even do that. But listen to me, please, because I once too thought that I could please God in my living. Now, my living was questionable, to be fair. But even regardless of that, in my mind, I thought I could somehow be accepted and please God. Listen, don't be fooled. Don't be as foolish as I once was. That, that's, that can't happen. The scripture tells us with love that all our good works are not good enough. It tells that we cannot earn salvation, neither can we please God with our works, only through faith. It tells us that we're, we're born in sin, and we all have sinned against, not our neighbors now, We've sinned against God. That's what the Bible teaches. And there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to change that fact. That's what the good news is, that even though we're lost, the truth is we can do nothing to save ourselves. But God, but God has made a way that you and I can be saved. Now, Ephesians says this, For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, and it's not the results of works. If you're here tonight... And perhaps you've spent your life in some sort of religion and you're trusting and you're relying on your works. Well, let me remove that burden from you. Your works are not good enough. Stop trying to live like that. The Lord says if you just come to him, he'll remove your sin. Lift that burden and just set you free. That's what the Lord does. Not by works, it's a gift of God. It's what salvation is. All we have is Christ. All we need is Christ. Thank God. Now, some may say that I have not sinned. Well, if you're here tonight and you think that, well, you, you're going to be all right because within these books of heaven, your deeds are recorded to help your remembrance. There's a record of secret sins. In different places of Scripture, I pull this out. There's a record of sins committed in the dark, sins committed behind closed doors, sins of the heart. One of the, we can commit murder with this thing just by hating somebody. Sins of the mind, forgotten sins, are all written down in glory for your remembrance, not God's. Because nothing is forgotten in heaven, and all is recorded, and all our sins and deeds will not go unpunished outside of Christ. Now the second death, and this is where we're going to just finish. I want you to see this in verse 14, says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. It says, this is the second death. There's a theory, even around some, some Christian circles today, that there is no hell and we die, that's it. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Don't believe it. The Bible says eternity is written in your heart. You know that not to be true. Yes, we're getting older, but the spirit within us is forever young. We have eternity written within our hearts and we will live for eternity. Now, the Bible speaks of two deaths. And the second death is only for unbelievers. It's only for those who die outside of God's grace. Now, let me just say something because it's important to me. I don't like the idea of eternal punishment. It bothers me, to be honest with you. 
asked anybody from the church that, we, that I pastor, very rarely do I go down this path, not because I don't believe it, because I do not really enjoy it. It bothers me to the core. It doesn't mean it's not true. I don't like the idea of an eternal lake of fire with torment as the Bible speaks about. And what I've noticed when it is spoke about, it's often spoke about in a casual, flippant way. I don't want to do that tonight. I'm simply sharing with you and reading from you what the Scripture says, and I, I trust you'll appreciate that. That all I'm doing is reading and sharing. Now, there is a throne, there is a revealing of man's deeds, and there is a second death. And all who find themselves before this great white throne, according to the Bible, will perish. Now, listen, it says this, whoever, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And here's the thing, the word cast, think of it for a moment. I've heard men mock God. Before I was saved, I personally mocked God. I've heard men boast about hell, that they're going to party in the hell. There's songs even written with the same lyrics. And I want to say this, all who think to God are deceived in their mind. If you think to God, you're, you're deceived and you've been lied to. There's no party in the lake of fire. Men will not be running into this place to party. Why? Because we're told that men will try to flee. And there's something else we're told at the very start, and you might have missed it. It, it even tells that men will try to commit, take their own life, if you like. They'll try to find death. But there's no place for them, and they can't find death. And that's what it says, that men will even seek death, but it'll not be found. And they'll have nowhere to hide. So all whose name is not written in the book of life, will perish, but all who's in this book of life will be saved. Now it says this, that they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Now, it's not scaremongering. It's what the Bible says before us. It's not my interpretation of a scripture. It says it in black and white. It says they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Now, I don't know what cast means to you, but this word tells me that men will not want to enter here. They're not going to be saying, come on, John, let's go and party. At that moment, they are going to recognize that the promise to party has been a lie. Don't be lied to tonight. Don't be a fool tonight. At least think for yourself. Do you think for one moment, if you don't want to believe in God or you don't believe in hell, do you really think that the Bible is going to record this? Just because. And from the Old Testament right through to the New Testament, there's themes and patterns that all link together that tell us this is to be true. There's no party in hell. Instead of men running into hell, they're going to be trying to run away from it. And we're told that God's angels are going to cast. They're going to cast. That's what it says. Now, the Bible tells me, and I'm telling you, that God is not willing that any man or woman shall perish. But all come to repentance. All. There's not one person here tonight. No matter what you've done, it doesn't say all come to repentance except for this or for that. It says all can come. And when we repent of our sin, which I did 20 years ago, something wonderful takes place in heaven. And I'm going to leave you with this thought. Our name is written in what's called the Lamb's Book of Life, as mentioned in our text. And the person whose name is written here, we're told, will not perish, but they will have eternal life in God. You see, when a person's saved, I want you to see this, it's wonderful. God takes these other books, these books of deeds, and he looks up their name. It's wonderful. And with a pen. 
when Neil McMullen got saved, he got a book. He got all the books and he searched out Neil McMullen. And he got a pen. It was a red pen. You know why? It was filled with the blood of Jesus. And he went like that. And he scored out all Neil McMullen's sins. Thank God. Do you see it? He scored them all out. And that's what the gospel is, friends. If you would just trust him tonight, if you would believe what the Bible says, he will take that pen filled with the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will take your name and he'll score it out. And then write it into the book of life. And he'll say, blessed, beloved, and all you do will prosper in his name. I promise you. Christian, amen if it's true. Amen if it's true. We're not lying to you tonight. Oh, there's a God that loves you. And there's a hell that's true. But God sent his son that neither you or any man or woman need, need go there. And that's the truth. You might ask me, well, who then is this hell for? Well, the Bible tells us. It's for Satan, that great deceiver who caused war in heaven. It's for the false prophet who's at work in our world today. Look at it. All religions, all one God, all leads to the Father. Lies. There's only one way to be saved, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Antichrist, the common world leader. We're all talking about it. We're all caught up about it. Are you as caught up about your soul? I know men aren't even saved and they're caught up about this stuff. They're all caught up in the conspiracy. But they haven't even got themselves right with God. Friends, don't get caught up with conspiracy. The Antichrist will rise and he will fall. But what do you need to be caught up in? Where do you stand for God? Amen? Where do you stand? Can we pray? Can we pray? I want to put it to you tonight. If you're here and you're not saved and you feel that God's speaking to you, you can get saved tonight. The Bible says, as I've already brought out, any man call upon the name of the Lord, he will be saved, she will be saved. And he'll take his wee red pen and he'll take away all your baggage, all your bondage, all your sins, past, present and future. And you know what he'll do? He'll set you free. Glory to God. Because him who the Son sets free is free indeed. And you could be free tonight. Longing soul. Longing soul, where are you tonight? What about that longing soul? I had a longing soul for years, friends. I tried to cover it with all the things of this earth. And momentarily, they disappeared. The only thing that settled my soul was God. Now, is there a person tonight, and you want to come to faith, you've heard God speaking to you, and you want to be saved, just let me see your hand and put it down again, and I'll know, and I'll pray for you, and I'll speak to you after, is there any man or woman here tonight? And you want to make that step of faith. God's been speaking. Is there one tonight? It's not just about the, the appeal. It's not just about putting your hand up. If you don't put up your hand at this moment, you can still come to faith. I'm simply just fishing tonight. Because we're fishers of men, aren't we? The church, we're fishers of men. Is there one tonight and you know your life's not right with God? Wounded for me, wounded for me. There on the cross, he was wounded for me. I'll put it differently, wounded for you, wounded for you. There on the cross, Jesus was wounded for you. Friends, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. Is there anybody that I can 
be praying for it tonight. God's speaking to you. But listen, I don't want no half-hearted. If you don't feel it's right, don't do it. We want full commitments tonight that God's really speaking. Freedom tonight. I'm going to leave it with you. And I'm going to move on. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word tonight. Well, thank you, Lord God, that you so love the world, God, that you, that you give your only begotten Son, Father. Lord, we thank you for that salvation that's found in no other but the Lord Jesus Christ who died upon that cross. But Lord, I want to speak your plea over this house tonight, God. Not to perish. Oh Lord, I pray over every man and woman, boy and girl tonight in Jesus' name, that Lord, they will not be stood before that great white throne. That Lord, there were none here in this tabernacle tonight that would, would ever perish. Lord, I pray that your spirit would convict them. Lord, I pray that if they go home tonight outside of Christ, that, Lord, you'll take the sleep from them in Jesus' name, God. Father, I pray you continue to burden them, Lord. Lord, that they would come to their senses, Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.